Church killed your faith, judge the skin and learn to hate. Make yourself the enemy and call yourself a saint. Learn the rules, be a fool. Remove your kid from school and apologize for everything. Apologize for you. Now give the TV all of your trust. Oh, Jesus, what happened to us? So shut your mouth, get in line, just behave or pay the fine. They're pulling on your back, boning, taking out your spine. They want you weak, don't speak, don't question, don't think. Keep staring at your smartphone, you're dumber every week. Don't nobody put up a fuss. Oh Jesus, what happened to us? All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. We are not going to do video this morning just because I um, we're having problems with it, and I, wa I definitely wanted to do this live because it's kind of a, kind of a confessional today, if you will. Um, it's kind of straight from the heart, so I wanted to do this live, and so we're just going to not do video today. So that's it's it's okay. It is what it is. You don't need to see my ugly mug anyway. So thank you all for being here today. I really appreciate you showing up um, today. As you saw, we are going to talk about Jesus Christ, our only hope. And we're going to make sense of the fact that um, uh, about what it, what it really means that Christ is our Savior in this sense is really what we're going to talk about today and what that actually means. So uh, before we do that, though, let's get into a prayer and then we're going to talk about our homestead and then we'll get into a service here. So Almighty Father, I thank you for granting me the strength to remain faithful to you always. Today I rejoice for my heart is filled with joy, pure joy for simply being your follower. Though sometimes I may waver, I know that at the end of every day you are always waiting for me to come home to you. I shall continue to praise your name until the end of my days. Everything I lift up to you. Amen. Okay, so um, I just want to give you guys a little update on our Missouri homestead. This is where we're living right now. It was a little cold last night, <laughs> but it's nice. So uh, we, we're redoing that shed and going to reline it. And I put up some fencing and stuff like that. And actually, we just got some gravel for a driveway yesterday. So that's what our property looked like right there. So right behind there, um, that's all parking and camping and places to have a big bonfire. So this is our property in Missouri. It looks pretty nice. In the corner there, you can see I started building our outhouse. 
and hopefully I'll finish that this week. Here's the birds. Here's our zoo. Uh, and that's, that's them in the tent, looking all comfy and cozy. <laughs> and then this is the outhouse and shower outhouse. Uh, that's what we're doing. We're basically kind of off-gridding a little bit. We'll have electricity, but same sort of thing we did up north. Uh, we'll have an outdoor shower, um, compost toilet, and stuff like that. So I just finished, almost finished that. I got to put some plumbing in and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so that's what's that's what's going on. So we've been busy, busy as hell. So I was going to do a pre-recorded with this as well, but we were just so busy, I figured might as well do it live. And so we ordered a yurt. We were actually going to do a, a pole barn shed, but because we ended up not getting a loan, which ended up being, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a blessing because we didn't want to be in usury anyway. And we didn't really want to be under the thumb of a bank anyway. So it, it's made us um, really have to curb our finances and all that sort of stuff. But we ended up getting essentially kind of what we wanted. So um, we're getting a 24 foot yurt that we'll probably end up putting up towards the end of October, middle of November, something like that. So um, yeah, so there it is. So hopefully we'll have a, we're going to have a yurt church. It's called a yurch. We're having a yurt church. So, and hopefully we'll build some more yurts in the future. So, okay. So today we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, our only hope. And I'm going to start with this video that was shared by our friend Christy, who we love very much. Christy with a, it's Christ with a Y. Um, she sh and this this guy, Alistair Williams, I don't know who the hell this guy is at all. I've never even heard of this guy, but he says some pretty important stuff. And so let's listen to what he has to say. And this is really going to lead into this whole sermon slash discussion today. You guys want to know what the answer is? You guys were asking earlier, what's the solution to all this? I got the solution, but you're not going to want to hear it. You want to hear it? Yeah. The answer to this is Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the solution. Let me put it to you this way, right? This is who's against you. The media, the universities, the police, the celebrities, the army, the navy, the military, the politicians. Whose help do you think that you need? You need God's help, ladies and gentlemen. That's the only way out of this. There isn't a political... Russell Brand is not going to save you. My name's Alice Williams. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you very much. Peace. So I thought that was pretty pertinent and poignant. Um, you know, we look at the situation that we're in today, and I think everybody is pretty clear. We all pretty much know. It's like, look, none of these people are on our side. The politicians are not on our side. The financiers are not on our side. The government's not on our side. The military's not on our side. The police are not on our side. The medical industry's not on our side. None of these people are on our side. And so we recognize that there, there is no political solution to our problems right now. We have, we're in a spiritual conundrum right now. And I think there's no problem with that at all. I think that's exactly where humanity needs to be. And actually, we're going to talk about that today a little bit. Um, so there, you know, there is no political solution. And the only solution is going to be God. And I'm going to make the case today that why we should be focusing on Jesus Christ and Christianity specifically. And why I opened this church and things like that. So there is no political solution to a spiritual problem. Now, the reason you see actually, um, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL and all this other stuff, you hear people saying this, that look, there's no political solution anymore. The Democrats and the, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans are not going to fucking save you. Okay, so what is going to save us? What is going to save humanity? Humanity. It's the thing that saves humanity always, God. It's when humanity falls away from God and comes back to God. And right now we've been, we've all experienced our entire lives of us falling away from God, being so far from source, and now we're coming back to it. And it's, um, in this sense, Logos is rising. Christ is returning. And that's what I'm going to make the case today. 
So you see Southern Poverty Law Center, ADL. There's no political solution. This is white accelerationism. This whiteness. It's the white people. So it's it's hilarious. So we have a spirit. We, we're saying politics suck and there's no political solution, but there is a religious or spiritual solution. And what do all of these, you know, well, let's just say what they are. Um, a lot of Hebrews. What do they say? Ah, oh, it's a racial issue. I, we, as you know, at this church, we basically don't even talk about race. We don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, but I understand that there's racial issues. That's the thing. But we don't give a shit because we realize at the end of the day, all of this has to do with theology. Okay. And what I found over the years is that this is what Christ does. He frees our minds, our bodies, and our souls. And it's always been this way. It's, al it's always been this way. And we'll talk about that today. So this, this whole live stream is basically why I became a Christian and why I think you should too. Now, just, you know, just to say this, I don't give advice. I don't tell people what to do. I'm, I'm uh, very stringent upon that, about that. I don't, I don't like to give people advice. I don't like to say, hey, if somebody says, Marty, what do you think I should do? I'm like, I don't know. You're going to have to consult God and yourself and figure that out for yourself. Um, so I don't, I, like when I do these sermons, I don't be like, hey, this is what everybody should do. I present what makes sense to me, what's worked for me, what, you know, what, uh, what falls in line with my logic and my spiritual center. And, and that, that's what I preach and teach. That's what I, that's what I give, you know, to the people. So today I'm going to basically talk about why I became a Christian, why I started this Christian church and why I think all of you should literally, and I'm once again, I'm not telling what to do, but identify as a Christian. If you're a, if you're a mystic out there and you're like, Oh, I like what Marty says and that sort of stuff. And no, no, no. I think you should Become a Christian. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying today. Okay. Um, this is um, this is a quote that I just want to share. I'll probably share this next week too because I think I'm going to do a live stream called um, "33 Things You Need to Prepare for This Apocalypse," something like that. So anyway, but I this comes from Claudia Pavonis. It says, "I do not teach the mysteries because I am some living master of esoterica. I teach and preach because I need a weekly reminder of their power." I, I don't teach this stuff because I'm like, oh, I've totally mastered everything. I teach this stuff. I, I review it. I research it because it's empowering and it actually gives me uh, purpose and things like that in life. So that's why I'm sharing with you today what I'm sharing with you. <laughs> so um, the, one of the first videos I ever did long before I started a church or write, wrote a book called Lord Jesus Christ or started preaching any of this stuff, the second video I ever posted on my YouTube channel was a video called The English Alphabet. The first one was called Pi the Great Work, but the second one was called The English Alphabet and where I literally find Jesus. That's what this is the, this is the opening you know, slide here. Okay. So years I basically... Um, you know, it's just trying to figure shit out, basically. And so then ultimately I sort of came to these realizations and they, they a lot of them came through, you know, mathematics, of course, but they led ultimately to Christ, to Christianity. That's, you know, like I said. So this was the second video I ever posted long before I was a Christian and I was literally finding Christ. That's what I was doing. That's what this whole video was about. And we'll talk a little bit about today. Um, in that video, I basically show how Jesus Christ equals 59, English alphabet equals 59. And, you know, we have the rosaries at this church. And why? Do, one of the reasons that I'm writing in the tenets of the order, one of the reasons that we use the rosaries because it has 59 beads. So for, for me and adopting the rosary, um, you know, get, getting into all of this stuff as far as like the mathematics of the English alphabet and stuff like that, it was insanely powerful. And the reason that um, the, the, these traditions of the past have passed this on is because they knew it was. We go through this world 
And we seek out all of these people that, you know, that uh, they have theories and ideas and oh, it's like this guy has a, you know, interesting perspective on worldviews and realities. And we tr we're trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. The wheel has already been given to us and we just need to understand that wheel. Okay. I became a Christian because I tried to debunk Christianity, essentially. It's the same way I became a flat earther. People ask like, how did you become a flat earther? Well, you just try to debunk flat earth. Good luck. Okay, it's honestly one of the easiest conspiracies to actually recognize that you're being lied to about, but one of the hardest to come to because it requires a spiritual undertaking within you. It, it requires you to question literally everything about your world, your worldview, your, your the past, the future, what's going on here, everything. It requires a total um, overhaul of your your you know your spiritual life in, in many respects, and a lot of people became you know under, basically became. Um, um, theological or, you know, understood that there was God because of flat earth, because of cosmology. Okay. So how did I become a flat earther? I tried to debunk flat earth. How did I become a Christian? I tried to debunk Christianity. Okay. And what I found was that first, and so I'm saying, Hey, everybody, you literally, you should come to Christ. You should literally become a Christian is what I'm basically saying today. Now I'm obviously not saying th these people, right? I'm obviously not like, Oh, everybody should follow what these, no, as you guys know, one of the things when you pursue truth, you find out that, you know, these people might be very wonderful people, loving, caring, kind, compassionate, wonderful in the community and shit like that. But let's just call a spade a fucking spade. They're full of shit. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea what the good book is. They have no idea about Christ. But there is something about the Christ, the, 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 the Christed, um, mythos and everything like that, that will redirect people's lives. And there's no question about it. So there's something underpinning within it. There's something inherent within it. And we're going to explore what that is today. So, you know, when, you know, it's like I, I was talking to Amanda Vollmer at the Music and Sky and I was just like, you know, one of the first things I said is like, look, you know, Christians are full of shit. And she, she agreed. But one of the things I, I want to, you know, try to relate to her as well as like, yes, that they're full of shit, but Christianity is not and Christ is not. And that's what we'll talk about today. Um, you don't have to follow these people in order to follow Christ. In fact, don't, because they're not going to lead you anywhere. Most of these Christians, I say it like this, they're, it's like they're flat earth Christians, right? They're, it's like they got off one spinning ball and they remained on another. And that other spinning ball is literalism and fundamentalism. And basically following a doctrine and a belief system in which you have no idea what it means. Okay? So we don't do that here. So I'm saying come to Christ, but understand it. Know it. Okay, know what all of that actually means, and you'll find out that it's truth. If you are a diligent truth seeker, as 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 I am, as I've found to be over the years, I'm saying that you will ultimately be led to the Christian mythos. Okay, how did I become a Christian? I tried to debunk Christianity. I went at I went at the Bible, as you guys know, if you've been following along. I went at the Bible, highly critical, insanely obtusely skeptical. I went in being like, this is full of shit. What do you got to show me? And as I found out, it actually showed me something. So I went in not like, oh, I have faith and I believe and I'm going to, I'm just going to give up all my, you know, critical thinking skills and discernment. And I'm just going to go ahead and believe this shit. Nope. I took the exact opposite route and the exact opposite route actually had, has me and had me face these literalist fundamentalist Christians, right? You know, directly. Hence why you will not see me as a, a guest on a lot of these people's shows. Hence why I'm always pushed in the peripheries. Because I challenge what these Christians have to say, and they don't fucking like it. But I actually have something to show them. Because my tradition actually is trying to pass on the truth. Okay? And I adhere to that tradition. So, 
that's what led me to Christ. That's what led me to do what it is I'm doing today. Being insanely skeptical, highly critical, and not listening to an ounce of bullshit. Okay? What is Christ? What, who is Christ? What is Christ? What does the Christos mean? Allowing Christ into your life, and that's what I'm asking, that's what I'm going to say you guys should do. Allowing Christ into your life is no different than saying, I want a 100% authentic and genuine existence and experience. That's what I want. I want. I don't want somebody's opinions and harebrained notions and squirrely revelations and crazy ideas. I don't want those, you know, meandering around in my brain. I want to be here. I want to know exactly what this place is, what I'm doing here, the nature of God, everything like that. I'm saying that Christianity will bring you to these truths. That's what I found. That's what I found. Now, I'm saying this as somebody that didn't want to find this. That was the last thing I, especially growing up in, you know, Monroe, Wisconsin and Midwest and stuff like that and being surrounded by a bunch of people that are trying to tell you, you need to come to Christ. Like the, the last thing I wanted to do was ever open a freaking church. Okay. But you know what? If you're honest and you're genuine, as I have been, that's where it will lead you. It will lead you to do these things. Okay. So today we're going to talk about what Christ gives us. And once again, this is this is basically like the most overtly evangelical I'll probably ever be, okay? The most overtly evangelical I'll ever be on this on this channel and in this church. I say if you want to be evangelical, the the best way I can be evangelical is just constantly speak truth and be bold about it. And if people are actually interested in that truth, they will find it. They will come to it. Okay, so that's that's the position I take today. I'm going to take it a little bit different. Okay, so today we're going to I'm just going to give you a 12 point list. There's a bunch more. We could talk about 50, 100 different things that Christ gives us. But these are just 12 things that, you know, uh, I want to highlight about what Christ and Christianity actually provides humanity when it comes to actually getting us through these very difficult times that we're in right now, okay? So we're going to talk about a, Christ gives us a purpose, a history, a living spirituality, an understanding of true cosmology, places of worship around the world, the holy sciences, ethics, morality, compassion. We're going to talk about God gives us our true authority. It talks about a uh, God, uh, Christ gives us a mythological system, a universal mythos, gives us the antithesis to Satan gives us our understanding of our fallen state and our goal of eternal life and gives us an understanding that life is magical and full of miracles. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about Christ gives us a purpose. Now, before we get into what our purpose is, we'll, we'll be dabbling in this throughout the whole live stream, but I think we all know that right now we are at war. At least I hope you know that humanity is at war. Okay? And that's what's going on. And actually, Christ, is, as this uh, Alistair guy, I forget what his name is, um, said at the beginning, the only way out of this is, is God. Okay? Period. So as you guys know, terrorism is back. Communism is back. Oh, it really never left. But so COVID is back now. Okay? And so now that they're going to, they're going to try to, you know, ramp up this whole um, despotic, tyrannical, terroristic, you know, agenda that they do. And what it is, is, and what I've said, and literally have been saying this for years, it is antichrist. Okay. I, I have done um, a, a bunch of series of videos basically showing that all of these different things, whether it's Twitter, whether it's the International Space Station, whether it's Elon fucking Musk, whether it, it doesn't matter who it is, all of these things, all of these satanic rituals that you're provided with that, that are pushed upon humanity, they are all specifically Antichrist. So if we want the we want a redemption, if we want, um, uh, you know, if we need um, a universal panacea, if you will, right, to to these issues, well, we have to go to the core of like, okay, well, what are they against? 
Well, they're against God. They're specifically, as I keep showing, against Christ. So who's going to, who's going to save us? What is going to be the power to fight that? Christ. And that's what they don't want you to know. And this is why, this is why Christianity has turned into this bullshit. Okay? This is why Christianity has turned into this goddamn nonsense. They have done an unbelievable job of inverting and perverting and watering down the churches so that you will actually not know the power that Christ gives us. Okay? Christ can help us and aid us in our predicament. Christ aids us in understanding our predicament right now. Christ helps us understand what humanity is going through right now. When we talk about we're at war and the devil is all everywhere and the military is against us and the financiers, everything, all about it's all against us, right? Well, Christ can actually help us understand why that, why we're going through this right now, okay? And we know that so many are hurting. Ah, this has been pretty tough. Like, I've actually gotten a few messages lately from some people that have just really been, it's really hard to even here because it's like, ah, Jesus, you know, like, life is sucking, this place is fucking terrible, like, fuck earth, that, that kind of thing, right? That sort of sentiment. And I want to, and I understand that, I'm empathetic, I'm sympathetic, I've been there, we've all been there, Okay. Uh, my wife does some great videos on emotional intelligence and having to deal with, you know, when, you, when you're in that state of depression and things like that and ways, like literally helpful ways to get you out of that, okay? And one of the ways that I'm going to say that it helps you get you out of it is to recognize why you're hurting right now. Why is humanity going through this, okay? Well, I'm saying what, what's happening right now is, and this is going to get to our purpose, right? Is that humanity is undergoing a spiritual awakening. And it's this, you know, these classic uh, memes. It's like what, what people think a spiritual awakening is like, what it's actually like. It's not supposed to be all like rainbows and unicorn, you know, farts and, and angel tears and, you know, fluffy pillows that are going to guide you into heaven. No, it's, it's terrible. It's terrifying, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it strips you to the core of your being. That's what an actual spiritual awakening is all about. We are going through the spiritual waking individually and collectively right now. And some people are not going to make it. <clears throat> some people are not going to get onto the end of that spiritual awakening. They're going to falter. And I, we're trying to provide a, a, a church that will help you not falter, if you will, to help you understand that you are in, quote unquote, very, very good hands. You know what I'm saying? So, illustrated guide to a spiritual awakening. The universe, me, kicking up the ledge. <laughs> it's like, ah, but also the universe. And that's what Christ is. Christ is literally both of those hands being like, guess what? You're about to go for a fucking ride, dude. And guess what? I'll be there at the end. We are undergoing a new kind of war. I don't know who this guy is, but it was a pretty good quote. A little doom and gloom, but it basically sort of assesses where we are right now. This is the most dangerous time in the history of man. The seriousness of this plot cannot be underestimated. It is not due to any threat of conventional war. That's not the war that we're under right now. It's a war, and it's not due to any threat of nuclear decimation because nukes don't exist. It is based on the fact that this is a psychological war waged by psychopaths against all mankind. Those psychopaths are specifically anti-Christ and is being advanced by a small group of monsters, I think we know who those monsters are, that have taken control of the minds of the masses through long-term indoctrination and policies meant to breed dependency. We have been indoctrinated into these, these mind spells for a long time, and we're breaking them now. And this church is going to do everything in its power to help break them. Fear is the new weapon of mass destruction, and Jesus Christ tells us to fear not. Not because it is legitimate, but because people have lost all will to be free, have lost all ability to think and seek shelter and comfort as a collective herd, only capable of existence in a society that is based on totalitarian rule. How do we get out of that? 
We've lost the will to be free and the ability to think and seek shelter. We seek, but what, once again, what is our answer to all this stuff? Ultimate truth is the answer to that, and that's going to be Christ. <clears throat> One of the things I, that I keep saying that we're going through right now, because this is really the thing that's, you know, set me off in this whole thing is, we're go, it's, I call it the cycle of gnosis. That's really what it is. It's basically just knowing your world and understanding how your world works and then laying that over your experience and saying, oh, oh, got it, got it, okay. So, um, you know, this is the hunabku on the left. There's the yin-yang on the right. You know, you put a diameter in the middle of that circle. What do you got? You got pi. What's that? You got left and right. You got a darkness. You got a light. Everything is a cycle here. Menstruation, the moon, the sun, the planets, the, the entire canopy of the stars. Everything comes into a cycle. Everything. These people are trying to think, are trying to get you into your mind thinking that, no, it's just, we, we control the cycle, we run everything, and everything is going to get dark forever. Christ tells us that's not true. One of the things I think is happening right now is that evil, and, and this actually happens with Christ too, and uh, hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit, if not this week, next week, is that evil is actually what leads a lot of times to good. A, a evil will lead, the pressure of evil right? The a presence of evil will actually lead people to find God and goodness. To once again, talk about flat earth. It's like, oh, they lied to us about flat earth. Okay, cool. Yeah, they lied to us and they've been lying to us about our cosmology and blah, 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 blah. Now, everybody that's discovered that the earth is not a spinning ball to 1,037.5 miles an hour and tilted at 23.4 degrees, all those people, what's happened to them? Beautiful things. A lot of, a lot of these people are like, oh, I understand God now. What brought them to God? What brought them to God? They might as well have, remember when the devil grabbed Satan's hand, if you will, and marched him up to the mountain and then say, and then, you know, the Jesus is like, ah, oh, yeah, you go piss off. You know, I don't need what you're, you know, tempting and things like that. And then he walks away. Then after he walks away, the angels ministered upon Jesus. That's literally the next line. So in other words, Jesus goes tell Satan to go fuck off. Your lies, we're not listening to many anymore, all that sort of stuff. Then guess what happens? All the angels in heaven ascend on Jesus, being like, you're the man, dude. What do you think is going to happen with us? What's, what's your spiritual quest here? Same sort of thing. You're going to have to walk hand in hand with the devil up to a mountain, and then you're going to have to tell him to go piss off. And then when you walk back down, the angels are going to be like, nice job, dude. Because the angels are on our side. God is on our side. That's what they don't want you to know. The pressure and enormity of the lies forces the truth to escape. What humanity is going through right now is all, and I've been doing this my whole life, looking at all the shit that doesn't work to seek out what does. And as I found this search, if you're honest, if you're genuine, and if you're heartfelt, if you keep on the path, it will lead you to God. There's no other place it can lead you to. And I'm saying that that's going to lead you to um, the Christian mythos, okay? This is Dr. Tom Cowan on Alpha Vedic. Listen to this. He's hilarious, by the way. God, this guy's hilarious. All I can really say is when I look back on my life, I didn't know that there was a sort of defined, you might say, spiritual path that it looks like I've been on unwittingly or unknowingly. And that is, I think they call it in Hindu or something, the no-no path. And that path is essentially don't worry about what's true just find out what isn't true and then somehow that process will lead you to the promised land and again i didn't know i was doing that but i started you know 
I mean, as a teenager before, like, I don't really believe this. Like, this doesn't make sense. And I committed to uh, when there was a choice, and there's often a choice here that we all make between like what everybody thinks versus what you can see with your own eyes or reason with your own mind, I think it is, or experience with your own heart, I think. You got to go with the, with the latter, not the former. The argument that, well, everybody thinks you're wrong or everybody believes differently just doesn't work. So, <laughs> so, so great. So, you know, basically what he's saying is that the lies and the evil and being confronted with them is exactly what drew him to truth. And he, he even calls it the no-no method. It's basically, no, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. No, this is nonsense. So in other words, the devil actually helps you <laughs> assist us in bringing us to God. Okay? This is essentially what I'm saying. You know who else says this? The Egyptians. <laughs> Set is the, of course, this is the antithesis. Set is the antithesis of Horus. Horus would be the sun god, of course, just like Christ in the Egyptian mythos, right? So what does Set do? Set is a god of desert, storms, disorder, violence, and foreigners, right? So basically, this is the guy that brings chaos in the ancient Egyptian religion. But Set had a positive role, where he accompanies Ra on his solar boat to repel Apep, the serpent of chaos. So Set had a vital role as a reconciled combatant. In other words, what? Horus is using Set in order to get to heaven. Horus is using evil in order to repel the evil, to basically, in, in this sense, the same sort of thing. Horus was using the no-no method. It's like, no, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. So evil, in a sense, helps assist us to bring, bring in God. And I think that's what's going on in our world right now. Hard times exist when things don't make sense and all seems hopeless and lost. As I found, as I've experienced over my life, right? They only exist to prepare you for when things will make sense. So we're in a like state of chaos right now. It's like, ah, blah, 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 it's all blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, maybe COVID is here to teach us about virology. Maybe things don't make sense so that they could teach us about things that do make sense. See what I'm saying? Think about all the hard times that we undergo and then and you learn you learn some of the greatest lessons from them. What is the message of the cross? What else could the message of the cross be? In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Ah, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabak, Nani, whatever. It is to say, My God, my God, why did you forget me? Why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me? And what's the message? Never did. Even during the hardest times, I was there. What what happened after this whole this whole scenario here about Jesus is put on the cross and then the three days. We're still fucking talking about him today. Here we are, still talking about this dude today. Open in churches, writing books about him. So, what was the message? Oh, Jesus had those three days really rough. And then what happened? Damn, son. Eternal life. Not only that, his name is known across the world. Why? Would we know it without the evil? Would we know Christ without the evil? I don't know. I don't know if we would. This is the message that I gave um, a couple couple weeks ago 
um, when we did the recap of Music and Sky, I talked about burning down the house. And I mentioned that the entire Phoenix cycle, of course, we talk about the Phoenix cycle. This is a well-known phenomenon. You know, mystics have talking, you know, mentioned it for years and that sort of stuff. And we, we highlighted the fact that, yes, look, this, there's this notion that, hey, there's uh, the great eagle, the great phoenix, this great bird arises from the ashes of, you know, the, essentially the burnt down chaos. Okay. So, and this is what we talk about. We even said, hey, man, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is in our sky. This is, this, this isn't just some, you know, nice philosophy or something like this. This is things that are actually in our stars. There's a phoenix up there. There's a fire sign. There's a hydras. There's a, you know, that sort of thing. But what, what does this have to do with Christ? Okay, well, this is the, this is the, the point that I made. This whole phoenix, you know, the, this whole cycle is a cycle of gnosis. It's a cycle of going away from source, coming back to source. Light and darkness. We go into the darkness only so the phoenix can rise. And we said, okay, well, who is this phoenix? Who is the phoenix? Well, the phoenix, Scorpio is, um, Scorpio is associated with three different animals. Usually, actually, usually two, the scorpion or the eagle, sometimes the phoenix. But the phoenix is actually, the phoenix is actually known as an eagle sometimes. So when we talk about the tetramorph, right? We say in the cycle of chaos and order and light and darkness, etc. source and going away from source, going to it, that's so, that whole thing, right? And we say, that's a phoenix cycle. And we say, okay, well, who's the phoenix in the tetramorph? Well, that's St. John. That's the eagle. The Scorpio is the Phoenix, is the Eagle, that's St. John. That's the Sons of Thunder, the fiery preacher John. What does John do? He announces the word, right? So this is even the, the sun ignites the nest and the old Phoenix dies in flames. A new young Phoenix emerges from the ashes and wings back to Arabia to live another life cycle. The bird's features have changed over the centuries, but most agree it's an eagle-like bird with shining red, gold, and purple plumes. So this phoenix oh, that's found in cultures around the world, this whole death and resurrection, you know, ashes and the bird flies up, you got bird, got bird flies up, is an eagle-like bird. It's like a phoenix, it's like an eagle-like bird. So who is that eagle? It's John. And what is he here to do? After the destruction, what does John do? He announces Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is John 1.1. 1, 1. Is the fire preacher with the loud voice. And what is he here to do? John, the phoenix, the Scorpio, the eagle, rises from the ashes. This is where, and this is the point that I made. This is, oops, sorry. This is where Scorpio exists. And it looks like a big ash cloud of the Milky Way in the sky. You could see it. If you, if you go out at night and go look at Scorpio, you'll see it. It looks like a big ash cloud. And you have St. John rising from that. What does St. John do? He announces Jesus Christ. So, what are we undergoing right now? We're under we're undergoing that phoenix rising from the ashes. Oh, where is it here? Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's what humanity is undergoing right now. And John is announcing Christ's return right now. That's what I'm saying. This whole cycle of evil getting in control and then losing control and then evil getting back into control and then losing control and Christ, you know, the phoenix coming back. Do you know what this is? Well, let me just say this. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and a group of Jews came over to this country and started settling this country and that sort of thing, right? And that's basically the history of the United States. In 1492, the Jews were expelled from Spain. Do you know what happened in the next couple hundred years? 150 years? 
until until Christ started leaving the hearts of the people, a renaissance, a rebirth. 1492, the Antichrists were thrown out of a country and what happened after that, after that? John spoke the word. The phoenix rose again. That's what, ha that's what happens down here. And who tells us this story? The sun. The sun tells us this story every single day and every single year. So Christ gives us our, our purpose here in that we are to rise like that fucking eagle like that phoenix, rise like that bird from the ashes of this old world that doesn't serve us anymore. He gives us a great purpose. What else does Christ do? He gives us a history. Number two, he gives us a history. What do I mean by history? I mean an actual history, not a bunch of written down shit from people that, you know, said this happened way back then and we've got 2,000 years of history and that's what the Bible is. No, an actual history, his story, God's story. What do I mean? History repeats itself, the old adage, right? Why does history repeat itself? Because time is cyclical. <laughs> because we live in a Gnostic cycle, if you will, right? A cycle of Gnosis, if you will. Um, history repeats itself. What does that mean? There are patterns that can be observed across history. Similar events keep occurring again and again, and we should learn from our past mistakes, right? This is the, this is the history that Christ actually gives us, okay? Death, rebirth, okay? What is, what is his story? His actual story is the story in the stars. The gospel means literally good spell, God's spell, God's message, God's story, that sort of thing. Where is that? It's in the stars. What do they do? Death, rebirth. The, the, the Sirius falls and you know into falls into the horizon and then rises again the next day. Okay? Our the entire thing is telling the story, is telling God's his story. We don't actually have an objective record of history. Most of the historical people that you think existed probably didn't. There probably wasn't even a Pythagoras. There probably wasn't, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those histories, that's history made by men. We don't follow men. We follow God. And his story is written all around us, right? And that gospel, that story is only hid to those that are lost, as it says. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If you want to find Christ, you look up and you look in. Christians are not looking up and they're not looking in. Most Christians be like, oh, stars don't matter. <laughs> no, those stars are telling your history. So you can make sense of what's going on right now. But if our gospel, if God's story be hid, it is hid to them that have not found Christ. In whom the God of this world, we'll talk about the God of this world. Who is that? Well, who, once again, <laughs> the who is, when we talk about the world, that's the world age. Who's in the hearts and minds? What's in the hearts and minds of people right now? Satan. Not Christ. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, God's story of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto you. God's story, his history of Christ should shine unto you. For we preach not ourselves. We don't preach Marty Leeds, Claudia Pavonis, Kevin McNally, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Lord within you and ourselves, your servants for Christ's sake. What Jesus gives us, Christ gives us the history of man's path to redemption. And that's the only history that we really need to, to actually focus on. Because the rest of the history is a bunch of shit that's written down by men. <clears throat> 
what is the history what is the history of Christianity? It's all of these churches, all of these denominations ultimately actually trying to find Christ. Actually, well, I don't know if they're actually doing it or whatever, but this is the this is the actual history. His story. It's all of these different denominations, endless denominations, Anglicanism and Pentecostals and the Eastern and the Protestants and the Evangelicals and the Anabaptists and the blah 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 assemblies of God, and United, all of these different denominations actually seeking the word not really finding it, coming close, don't get me wrong, but not finding it. Because why? They've abandoned Gnosis. They've abandoned the actual, they've abandoned his story. They don't know anything about the stars. They don't know anything about the earth. They don't know anything about what's right in front of them. They don't know anything about the symbolism of that Bible. They don't even know how to read that Bible. Why? Because they've actually abandoned truth. They've abandoned Christ. So we have a history this is what history is. People going away from source and coming back to source. Why do you think there's all these denominations? All of these denominations. Why all the di differentiations? Because we're away from source. We're away from Christ right now. There is only one church. There's one spirit. There's one body. There's one baptism, as we all know. Then why the fuck are all these churches? What, what are these churches doing? This is proof that there is a cycle of gnosis. There, this is proof that we have fallen away from Christ's church. All of these different churches are trying to seek out the word, but they don't, they, don't, they don't even know what that means. The history of Christ is the history of man coming to God. It's the great work. That's what it is. It signifies the spiritual path towards self-transcendence in its entirety. It's the labor of the Lord. And this is what, this is what our history actually is. Man seeking God, not finding him, and ultimately coming to God, you know? Basically, just like I said, darkness to light, light, light into darkness, and ultimately recognizing that what? There's a light that darkness comprehended not. It doesn't matter what it is. The tarot deck, masonry, alchemy, all of it is our history. It's a real history. What else does Christ give us? A living spirituality and a living God, not a God that's like, oh, this God existed several thousand years ago or those Egyptians really had something to say or blah, 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 blah. They really had the truth. No, no, no. No, Christ gives us a living spirituality and a living God, a God in the present. And that's what the entirety of the Trinity is all about. And this is why, you know, I harp on the fact that, you know, you have Trinitarians that don't understand the Trinity, but they're trying to explain the Trinity. Well, the Trinity's literally just there to one of the main reasons to tell you that Christ is with you all the time. Christ is always in the present. That the entirety of time itself condenses down to the very moment that you're in right now. And you know what's there? Christ. That's the message of the Trinity. It's all over the Bible. We've covered it numerous, numerous, numerous times. That is a living spirituality. God, literally, in the present. He's pre-sent. There's, of course, the Trinity all over the world, you know, and you basically have the core of Christianity and Christians don't understand the basic premise of it. Well, that's why we have this church. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, which basically means, you know, God is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing, right? That's what it means. Well, that means he's, you know, God is, is a living God. It's in the present. We don't have to look back in history or look into the future for God. No, it's existing right now, okay? 
So when we talk about a living spirituality, the other thing that this gives us when we talk about the presence of all the Almighty within us right now, right? When we talk about that, that's basically saying, just as we say, Gnostics need no intermediary between them and God because the intermediary is literally within them, you, within you right now. Right now. Okay? So all of these churches, they're like, well, you have to go to the Orthodox priests and the bishops and they have the answers. They don't know shit. I'm here to tell you they don't know shit. I've got no problem saying that either because I could say a ton of things that I don't know shit about. I can just be honest. This is, this is one of the most magical things that you can actually learn. And the kingdom of God is within you. Christ and his kingdom is existing within you right now. That is a living spirituality. That is a living God. That's, that God's not dead. This is what the second coming of Christ is all about. The second coming of Christ, Christ arrives within, arises and arrives within you. This is the this is the core message. This is the message of Revelation, by the way, as as we'll come to find when we do that. Um, Christ arrives within you. That's in the present. That's in the now. That's not, well, I got to wait till I get into the afterlife. Well, no, there's, there's that too. But we, we, you can't concern yourself about that and you can't, you know, your future and your past. You have to concern about the present right now. The present is a gift as we know. Okay. So God, Christ gives us a living spirituality. What else does Christ give us? An understanding of true cosmology. And, and not just like, oh, the earth is flat. No, 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 that's fine. Oh, yeah, so, okay, geometrically, we understand that the earth is flat and there's probably a dome. Okay, cool. Christ gives us, as you guys, if you've paid attention to this channel and followed along, you will find that, that there's so much more than that. It's not just like, well, it's a dome and there's some lights. and No, 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 no. Christ gives us an understanding of true cosmology. The Bible actually get, tells us what the fuck those stars mean why they're important, why they've been grouped the way they have, why they're named certain animals. And we've, we cover this every single week to show that how powerful this is. This is an understanding of when you look up at those stars, that they have meaning, meaning to you. This is as above, so below in practice, you know. God, I mean, you know, Christ in this sense lets us understand that the earth is flat, right? Yeah. And so we say, okay, so the earth is flat, but why is that important? Because it puts you at the center of the whole thing. Just, just as Christ centers himself within you, Christ also puts you at the center of the whole thing. God is the circle whose center everywhere and circumference nowhere. Do you know what, how powerful that phrase is? And that's been said by allegedly like St. Augustine and freaking Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus and maybe Pythagoras, who knows? But the point, Voltaire maybe, who knows? Anyway, the point is this, it's true. And so what is, that's a, an unbelievably profound thing because God made you the center of the entire thing. Every single human being is the center of everything. That makes sense because Christ is the center of everything and Christ is within you. This is why cosmology is so important. You'd be like, why is flat earth important? What does it matter if it's a sphere or if it's flat? Because it grounds us and places us at the center. It gives us a proper framework to expressly understand our experience. It's faith in action. It's faith in action. What do I mean? It, it means it's like, you, it's, it's like, oh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? We have evidence. We have proofs that this place is not what they tell us. 
when you talk about faith and action, it's we it's saying that we may trust God. We may trust our senses. Oh, is this thing spinning? No. Why? Because you don't feel it's spinning. We can look up and say, is the what well, looks like the sun is traveling over me and the, the everything's spinning? Yes. So exactly what we experience in this sense is the truth. Okay? So we're given a true cosmology with Christ. Not only just the, the earth is flat and we're in the center of the thing and there's allegedly a dome and that sort of stuff, but also what those constellations mean. So when we say, hey, Jesus was led up of the Spirit you know, into the wilderness, we know what the wilderness is. What, actually, let's see if I have this here. Give me a second here. We know what the wilderness is. Boom. There's the wilderness, right? It's a place where an uncultivated, uninhabited, inhospitable region. It's the stars above, right? It's the stars above. So we see so Jesus led, his, led him up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, right? So now they say, okay, well, who's the, who's the devil? Where are we, right? Of course, all of these different illustrations of this. Well, this tells us, hey, that's, that's Draco. Now, just this one story, we can start picking apart. Oh, okay, wait, where's the, te- where's the mountain? Oh, that's in the top of the whole thing. It's where's the peak? Where's the summit? Oh, that's Polaris. What's up there? Oh, it's a big serpent. Oh, now, now it's not just a collection of stars that a bunch of Greeks way back in the day gave some mean, you know, name to because they were trying to make sense of their reality and they didn't know shit. Nope. Completely the opposite. Those stars actually have a direct meaning. That's a dragon you gotta go slay. It's not, it's, it's like the earth's flat. What does it matter? It matters because Polaris tells you exactly where your soul needs to go up and out of here. So not only is there a serpent up there that you're going to have to go slay, which gives you your purpose, what you're, what you're doing here. It actually gives you the place where you want to go too. Total unity of God. So, so Christ gives us what? All the story upstairs. And then he also gives us the story downstairs. So we say, oh, where's that lake of fire? We just go to our celestial sphere as we have that the Bible Bible tells us about, right? We go to that celestial sphere and what do we see? Oh, we've got the lake of fire downstairs. So Christ allows us to understand what's upstairs and what's downstairs and then what we're doing here in the middle of earth, right? So this, Christ gives us, a, once again, an understanding of our cosmos, just as all the all these ancient cultures did. It was, it, at least it appears to us as spherical. That's how it, you know, it's, turning around us. So all those constellations, they're just a bunch of random names, a bunch of random characters, a bunch of random animals and stuff like that. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every single one of those constellations has meaning. And you know where you find that meaning? The Bible. Now, what did the modern churches have done? Well, astrology, devil, bad. No, a lot of those churches, instead of understanding that globe, they think they understand this globe, which means they don't understand the first thing about Christ. How are you going to understand that Christ is centered within you and that the whole thing centers around us if you're believing in this? What else does Christ give us? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Jesus said at the end of Matthew. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We, we, under, we come to understand exactly what those things mean, heaven and earth. They even, and I don't have the verses here, but there's a whole you know thing in the New Testament where it talks about, oh, there's bodies celestial and bodies terrestrial and there's natural and there's the spiritual body. They, the Bible, in the in the way that it's in the the language that he uses, is giving you specifics about what you what you experience in your cosmology. The metaphysical is above, the physical is below. The incorruptible is above, the corruptible is below. 
The incorporeal is above the, above, the corporeal is below. All of this, by the way, is found in the Bible. And this is exactly what you experience. Okay. What else does Christ give us? And then we'll take a little break here. What else does Christ give us? This is, this is one that I don't think we think enough about, but cathedrals and churches the world over, and it doesn't matter what denomination it is, okay? It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you, you understand that, hey, if you're, if you're believing in denominationalism, you're breaking up Christ's church and you shouldn't do that, okay? But, you know, we did a whole uh, live stream after we got back from Germany last year and we visited like, you know, I think 10, 12 different cathedrals in Germany and France and that sort of thing. That's basically what we did. And they're all absolutely amazing. Christianity, Christ, and, and the followers of Christ have provided us temples and cathedrals around the world that will make you shudder when you look at them. You will look at these and you'll be like, what? how? How did you do this? Who is, you know, think about the, the artisanry and the architecture and the, the, you know, the people that are making the blueprints and the woodworking and the, just, you know, the, the time and effort and the, the focus and the attention and the perfection that you have to put into all this other stuff. That is a group, whoever did this stuff is a group of people that were unified, they weren't denominationalists, they weren't like, oh, you're a Protestant, you can't come here. No, these were people that were obviously unified together under, under the doctrine of Christ that were doing amazing fucking things. These places are all over the world and they're astounding. Is it, it's a plane. I feel, I feel like in that movie, Goodfellas, where he's like, where he's like doing all the coke and he's looking up. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember that? Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. So there's cathedrals. The, and, and that's what Jennifer and I, when we went on vacation, pretty much that's what we do now. We go to these places because they're absolutely in, unbelievable. All of this is in St. Louis. This is the St. Louis Basilica. You, know, you go into this place and you're just like, uh. Now, one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago about how they're destroying the world, they're burning down the forest, and they burn down Lanai, and they, they, they burn down all the old architecture of the old world. I mean, it was like all those, you know, uh, quote-unquote, uh, you know, government buildings that burned down. Oh, they're burning everything. Everything's being destroyed. Yeah, that sucks. But in one sense, so fucking what? So fucking what? Why are we living in the past? Why don't we rebuild this shit? That's my thing. This is what Karen B. talks about all the time, too, or mentions quite a bit. It's like people, they look at the old architecture and, they're, and they just immediately say, oh, giants did that. Or it's like the ancient alien theory or whatever. It's like, oh, it must have been ancient aliens or something like that. Well, no, there probably was giants that built that stuff. I think that there's, you know, in some of these cases, yes. But the point that she's making is like, if we just always give ourselves up to like, oh, some ancient people did this or ancient aliens or it was giants, then we forget the potentiality that we have as a human, as human beings. So we're, we look in the past like, oh, they burned all this shit. It sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Don't get me wrong. I'm not for it. But you know what? Wham, wham, fucking boo, boo. Let's build it again. Why don't we build this stuff today? So we can't. I disagree. I disagree. I'm starting to actually, you know, I've said this before that we can't build this stuff today. I, I, I don't know. I think we have the potentiality. We just don't have Christ. We don't, we are, we're not living an ultimate truth is what I'm saying. I think if we do and we move towards that, I think we can, you know, just as it says, you have Christ, you can move mountains, dude. Let's build this again. Why are we looking at the past and be like, oh, look at all the amazing stuff that they did way back then. Let's do it again. Everything's going to perish down here. <laughs> so this is uh, unbelievable, beautiful, uh, you know, and... Um, anyway, and this was uh, this is uh, St. Mary's Catholic Cathedral in Peoria, Illinois. Look at this place. 
Like these are places you can go. And we went in there. No, we didn't participate in the, you know, the, you know, it was a Catholic, you know, service and things like that. And I'll, I'll say it was pretty freaking lame. We didn't go in there for that though. We went in there and we just were, you know, looking at the majesty of this damn building and everything like that. And, and actually picking apart the, you know, esoteric all over the damn place, which I could do for days at this point. But, you know, like, so we go in and I, we just see it for the genuine article. We don't have to sign up for the, the Catholic, whatever. We don't have to. And then this guy, what this guy was saying at the time too, was ridiculous. It was, it was basically, it was just lifeless. This is um, in my old hometown. This is, uh, once again, St. Victor's Cathedral. Really beautiful cathedral. They actually went in of, this was, I think, like a couple years ago or something like that, and they started, like, taking off some of the paint, and they found that there was, like, hand gold-plated, or gold-leafed, like, hand gold-leafed pillars, like, all throughout this whole thing. And some dumbass that obviously didn't have Christ in their life just went and painted over it and so they started restoring it and they found out there's like holy god people were doing you know magical things the point is is this is that when i say that you know christ gives us christianity gives us these cathedrals and temples the world over to it's like we don't have to reinvent the wheel once again this stuff is already there all we have to do is actually come to understand it right and so that's that's all i want to say so okay so um uh, I was going to pass the basket around here. Uh, everybody, I really appreciate all the people that do support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church and Academy. We can't do it, do it without you, and we would really like to keep going. So um, if you do have any extra cash or whatever, want to support the fine work that we do, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App. Um, we do have the Good Birds at Subscribe Star. And um, uh, yeah, there's also the church store. You can buy books and that sort of thing. So anyway, let's play a little tune. Thank you so much. That was a little out of tune, but that's okay. That was a little song called Taking on the Shawl, which we're actually going to talk about moving forward here. So thank you to all the people that do support the work that we do here. We would like to keep going, and we know that we do a good service, and that we have a lot of, uh, of wisdom and truth to provide, and um, and we really appreciate all the people that, that are on the Telegram group and, and stop by and everything like that. It's, uh, it's such a wonderful group of people, genuinely, honestly. I'm not just saying that. It's fantastic. Um, and so thank you to all the people. We, we'd like to keep building this and keep going. So, 
Okay, number six, let's keep going. What else does Christ provide us, right? That we don't have to, once again, rethink the wheel. We don't have to come up with all new, you know, theories and ideas to understand our reality and what we're doing here. No, Christ gives us the holy sciences. And this is exactly what my book, Lord Jesus Christ, is all about. It's basically a 550-page book illustrating all of the mathematics and science that are located in his name, that have been uh, Kabbalistically encrypted within his name. And it is a juggernaut of a book. Um, I've sold, I think, one copy in the last couple weeks or something like that. It's, it's, it's just insane. It's absolutely fucking nuts, to be honest, but it is what it is. So th- this book is a 550-page absolute monstrous volume detailing the fact that Jesus Christ, those three words, Lord, Jesus Christ, in our language encodes everything from doubling the cube to squaring the circle to the proportions, you know, proportions of the Great Pyramid of Giza, it gives you the base 10 system, the degree of phylotaxis, the patterns of the sun, the patterns of the moon, etc., etc., etc. The entire book is about that. Christ and Christianity gives us the holy sciences. Everything that we... Um, all of those, the esoteric doctrines are all 100% alive and well within our language, within other languages, but within the Christian doctrine. So the Kabbalah is there, the, you know, the gematria, the astrotheology and the astrology, the symbolism, the psychology, the archaeoastronomy, right? When we talk about those cathedrals all over the world, we can look at those and find out, hey, guess what? The, a lot of those, if not most of them, if not all of them, are absolutely patterned off the stars. You know, the numerology, the sacred geometry, the architecture, the seven classic liberal arts, the hermetic and alchemical corpus, what we think, you know, a lot of people think uh, hermeticism and alchemy has nothing to do with Christianity. It's just you couldn't be further from the, from the truth. No, it's absolutely tied within to the whole thing. You Once again, I don't think, even think you can understand half the Bible without alchemy. Okay, the etymology, the linguist, all of this stuff is still alive and well. Okay, we want to understand the Zodiac. We go to Christ. That's how we do it. Okay, and, this, and then it goes so much to say is we want to understand the disciples. Well, we can do that. We can understand the disciples in their relationship to what? Our cosmology. Where do we get that? We don't have to go searching and, once again, reinventing things or coming up with all new ideas. You know, the truth will, you know, if, if you want to know the truth of the stars, you'll, you'll find it in Christ. And that's what we do every, you know, pretty much every single week on this channel, okay? Um, once again, we talk about that, that um, the zodiac and the astrotheology and stuff like that. This gives us an understanding of why those constellations are named what they're named and why they're placed where they are and, you know, that sort of stuff. Now, we don't know who named them or that sort of thing, but we do see 100% without question or controversy at this point that that is a complete system. And that has been passed down, that has been filled with wisdom, and that wisdom is for us. That's whoever created this stuff left this stuff for us in case we would ever get to a point where we are right now, where we feel lost, okay? Um, I'm not going to go over this too much, but one of the things we've talked about, we did a whole live stream on it, the seven classic liberal arts. How they're, they're all that you ha- you must use the seven classic liberal arts to even understand the Bible, and those things are taught within the Bible. I'm not going to go into that you know, uh, too much, but what else does Holy Scripture, Christianity, and Christ bring us? Right, one of the things that you'll find once again, and you can uncover this naturally, is is the hermeneutic approach of the Bible. Basically, um, we're given scripture, but then also we're given we're given a methodology in which to decipher scripture. Okay, um, now this has been passed on from the Orthodox passed this on. This is a Kabbalistic thing. I learned this from Kabbalists. I didn't even learn this from quote unquote Christians. I learned this from Jews. Okay. 
So um, the hermeneutic approach, this is a methodology that is based on science because it's holy science in, in which to actually understand your scripture. This is also what Christianity has given us, right? When we talk about Kabbalah, we talk about this is what that's all over the Bible, of course. What do you think? The, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the healing of hands. And then he took the child and he laid his hands on them and they healed the child. Why the hands? Why the hands? All of that is Kabbalistic. So in other words, this holy science that God has placed right in front of you, the base 10 system, guess what um, Christianity does? Encases and encapsulates that and and heralds it and ho- and basically is a custodian of it. And, and, and it's it's through and through complete. There's not like, oh, we're missing part of it. Fuck no, not even close. And this is what Christ teaches us. And this is why I will stand against any Christian any single day that is like, numerology and astrotheology and Kabbalah is not in the Bible. You're 100% wrong and it's so easy to prove you're wrong. Okay? We have a science, ladies and germs. I shouldn't use germs because of the whole virology thing, but you get what I'm saying. We have a science and it's been placed right in front of us and it's in our language as well. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Christ is in our language as well and not just English. So uh, we have a science and it's been placed right in front of us. Science equals 28. And we have 28 phalanges of the human hands. 28 phalanges. And the, uh, the entirety of Kabbalah and the entirety of understanding how Christ resides within you is encoded within our math and within our language. It's, it's literally right on you. It's literally right in front of you. Those hands, I'm just going to mention this really quick because I just want to, I just want to keep moving here. But, you know, those hands, they give us 180. We've talked about this numerous, numerous times when we talk about this as a science, right? That this, that our hands, that Kabbalah, the math you get right from it is related directly to geometry. That's not an opinion. Zero opinion being given here today. (laughs) That's something that a child could come to understand. Of course, we have a bunch of truth seekers out there that don't want to touch this and don't want to understand it. And so I guess... I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But, uh, you know, that to me is sad. But that's the that's what it, that's really what it is. It's like in order to actually em- embody this stuff in your life, you're going to have to come to Christ. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. I'm happy saying that to you. i got no problem saying that at this point. So those polygons, that 180 that we find in our hands. Sorry. Um, that's once again, when we say that this is alive and well in our in our alphabet, it is. Okay. Like, I wonder when Robert Edward Grant is going to talk about this. <laughs> I wonder when Sam Tripoli is going to have me back on and talk about this stuff. <laughs> Christ is right in front of you and in the very words that you use to denote those, those numbers right on your hands. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 79, 180. 1 through 10, 180. Christ is in our in our alphabet. And that's what Christ gives us. Been there the entire time. This is the other thing, is that science, you know, this is this was something when way back in the day where they were saying, trust the science, trust the science, that sort of thing. Science is not based on trust. Science is based on scrutiny, right? Well, I'm saying scrutinize the shit out of this. Take the book, Lord Jesus Christ, 550 pages, and scrutinize the hell out of it. But I want you to do it mathematically. I don't want your opinion. I don't want people's, you know, uh, that sort of thing. I want you to look at that and scrutinize as a mathematician and tell me mathematically why that doesn't work. You, you won't be able to. You won't be able to. The math that we find and that we pre- that we present at this channel and that's found in the Holy Bible, it, it holds up to scrutiny. 
it, it, it absolutely holds up to scrutiny. And this is essentially why people don't touch it. Jesus is a science. Let me say that again. Jesus is a science. Let me say it one more time. Jesus is a science. Okay? All these things, the degree of phylotaxis, that's in Jesus' name. The, the chromatic music scale and the major music scale, that is based, the cipher is entirely based on that. Pi, E, the mathematics of the, you know, the geometry and the mathematics of the cube, you know, the, the base 10 system, 66, you know, 666, what does that mean? The mathematics of the sun, the mathematics of the moon, the mathematics of your hands, et cetera, et cetera. It just keeps going and going and going and going. Where else are we going to find this? We, we, Christ gives us this. All of it. What about the, the perfected man? When we talk about, hey, we're, we know, um, our goal, right? When we have a purpose, like, well, we want to be more Christ-like, right? You know, when I was praising um, Mike Winner the other day, right? You know, I should I should have clarified because I was like, he's a hero. I was like, well, no, Mike, Mike's, Mike, what really Mike is doing is just being more Christ-like. That's it. That's all Mike Winner was doing, <laughs> you know? And because we have that that perfected man, that ideal man that we can actually model ourselves after, after that is the Adam Kadmon. This comes directly from Kabbalah. Jesus Christ is the second Adam. And, there, and once again, the Bible, the New Testament expressly tells us this. You're not even going to make sense of that unless you adhere to the science of Jesus. Adam Kadmon and the Kabbalistic doctrine is the name given to the first emanation from the eternal fountain. What is the first emanation? God said, let there be light. In the beginning was the word. It signifies the first man or the first production of the divine energy, the son of God. So when we talk about the, you know, there's two atoms. So Christ gives us, there was that old Adam that was all, you know, corrupted by those, those pesky Hebrews. And then we get the new Adam, the last Adam, the second Adam. And what is that Adam? Oh, that's this, that's not an Adam that's based on guilt and condemnation and separation. And oh, no, Christ tells us, no, uh, no sin in him our sin on him it's a it's it's a we're supposed to lead our life with what no guilt no condemnation no separation no fear when we say who do we model ourselves up to uh, joe rogan uh, no uh, robert f kennedy jr no i really like whatever the rock or whatever no 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 you know you model yourself after the perfected man who gives us that christ and this is logical in fact the when we talk about science science is based on logic ultimately we have you know we once again we can it's a long discussion but ultimately we want to be logical in our thinking what is that that's the logos the entirety of logic is based on logos it's the etymological root so what is what does that say christ in other words is scientific and the most logical thing that you could actually come to. That's what I'm here to tell you today. What else does Christ provide us? Christ gives us our ethics, our morality, and our virtues, right? This one, this one will be pretty quick because there's, you know, you can go all over the Bible and find all sorts of, you know, verses and stuff like that, that, you know, discuss this. But basically, what do you have? You have, you know, especially the three cardinal virtues or the, the three theological virtues being faith, hope, and charity. Faith in God. Faith that, hey, guess what? Not everything's fucked. You know, I, I just, like I said, we started this thing off with people are in, you know, people are in dire straits right now and they're feeling a lot of pain and they're hurt and they're scared and that sort of thing. And Christ gives us this, this thing and it's a hard one. Don't get me wrong. This stuff ain't easy. Never is easy. That's why they call it the great work, the labor of the Lord, the magnum opus, right? That to have faith and guess what? Shit's not all going to the gutter. Okay. 
to have hope into the future and to have charity. Charity is ultimately what? is what we always talk about. The greatest thing you can do is be in service to others. The greatest thing you can do is actually show love and we'll actually show how to love your enemies here. We'll talk about that in a bit. So this is our ethics, our moralities, our virtues, how to be upright, how to be compassionate. All of this stuff is a message that comes directly from the ideal man, the perfected man, which is the embodiment of the divine sciences. He is the embodiment of the divine sciences. Okay? So this is the three, three, three theological virtues, charity, faith, and hope. Hope is a feeling of trust. It's, a, it's you know, you have hope in, in this, in the archaic sense, it's hope in the future, right? Um, and I, I say it's, you don't even necessarily need to have hope. You need to understand. You don't need to like seek it out. You just need to have it because I always say, if there was no hope, we wouldn't be here, okay? <laughs> um, faith is, once again, just faith in God. Complete trust and confidence in something. I have complete trust and confidence in God, 100%. I don't have much faith in humanity a lot of times because <laughs> as Gnostics we don't put our faith in humanity we put it in God but um, but I do have complete trust in God and charity kindness and tolerance in, in judging others and that's 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 a very difficult one it's one that you know I'm, I'm learning myself right now so once again I teach this stuff because I need the lesson myself what's number eight Christ gives us what our true authority this is one that's absolutely desperately needed right now desperately needed right now people are claiming all sorts of i'm an expert i'm an authority you gotta listen to this judge and this the blah 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 and this policeman and this, the governor and stuff authority as we know author comes authority our authority comes from who authored us it, it, etymology will even say see author okay who's your author it's your master it's your leader well who's our master who's our leader once again when i say this stuff is embedded in our language it absolutely is the truth is embedded in our language, in English, out of all things. By the way, there's this the 180 that we showed before. That's I've I've talked about this. That's in German and French and Spanish and all that sort of stuff too. So, but beyond that, but um, so who's our authority? Duh, duh. It's one of those things. That it's like who authored us? Who's our master? Who's our leader? Why would as we move into the future? Right? And, and dealing with all the craziness that we're dealing with in these despotic and completely tyrannical terroristic governments and things like that. What, what are they trying to do? They're trying to claim that they're your authority. Well, Christ gives us the response to them and gives us the truth. Christ gives us this. Who's our author? God. This is, uh, we talked about this, did a couple live streams on this. Ephesians, um, this, is, this is, of course, Paul having the one mind of Christ. We'll talk about that. And he's saying what? He received this revelation. He Kabbalistically received a gift straight from God. Because that's what it is. <laughs> he received a gift from God. And it was a revelation about what? A system and order of governance. For this, this is Ephesians 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, because we are all owned by God. We are all prisoners of God in this sense. If you have heard of, and by the way, when we say prisoner, we're prisoner of the totality of love. Let's just get that straight. The prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, there's an order, and that's what dispensation means. It means a system or order of governance. A system or order, government or organization. That's what it means. So in other words, Paul received directly from God, from the, oh, that's an important word, a system and order of governance that has grace? Wait, the dispensation of the grace? That there's supposed to be a, an order, a logos that is graceful 
and this was given to Paul to give to us, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery of what? Of the fact that governors and, and tyrants and whatever, kings and queens are trying to claim that they're your authority and they said not. There is only one authority and that is God. Christ brings us that message. Okay? Even says, this is what Ephesians says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So in other words, there's times in history in which it was not known that God is the authority of everybody and everything and owns everything. Guess where we are right now? There. There. He's, Paul is speaking to us directly. He's speaking you know, through the power of Christ, the mind of Christ. He's speaking to us directly because God gave him something directly. And he's saying... There's a bunch of people that are going to claim that they're your authority. This is probably windy, isn't it? Sorry. Um, and they're not. And there's actually an authority. There's actually a government and it's given by God. And other ages did not know this. Amos 8.11 also says this as well. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water. No, you're not. This famine is not of, you know, sustenance, material, food. No, but of hearing the words of the Lord. What does that mean? There's ages in which natural law, God's law, God's divine law was not understood. Guess where we are right now? There. Basically, this is, the, um, this is what Paul's message is. Here's the nonsense. The state, the county, and the local, and the city, and the U.S. corp, and then we got these other corporations. They're going to tell you what to do, and blah, 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 blah. And this is actually the truth. And this is the truth. And this is what Paul is saying. And this is what Christ is saying. Who's your authority? None of that. This is your authority. And this is why we talk about the monad all the time. Because the monad is the, is the geometric form which actually gives you this message. The Lord within you, the God above, that is your authority. And you'll have to answer to him. As we move into this, you know, as they try to push more and more of these 15-minute smart cities and Agenda 2030 and, you know, the uh, climate crisis and all of this and COVID's back and all this other stuff. As you can see, they didn't, they tried to claim that they were your authority and they didn't do this through any law because there is actually only God's law, as we know. What did they do it through? Mind trickery? That's it. Oh, we, well, you have to follow our authority because we put out the guidelines and the ordinances and the orders and the executive orders. And then we did the emergency proclamations and the regular proclamations. And then we did some demands and some statutes and some regulations. And we had some rules and restrictions. And we made some decisions about the guidelines that we were going to put the ordinances and we had some orders, of, you know. No laws. Literally just pushing humanity around, pushing God's children around because they don't understand that they have an authority. Well, we're going to help you understand that you do have an authority. And it's certainly not these fucking assholes. What else did Christ teach us? What does Christ give us? Okay, when we talk about our court system, let's talk about how fair our court system is. Oh, well, I heard when I went to the court in Idaho and it was really corrupt and the Chicago judge is corrupt and we were on Hawaii and those judges were corrupt and then the sheriff's not a constitutional sheriff, blah, blah, blah. And we, you know, nitpick and go through and that sort of stuff. Christ just tells us the whole thing's fucked. That's what the story of Christ, this is the message that Christ gives us. Right? That there is only God's judge, or the, the, the judge of God, if you will. 
God being the judge. So, I, so in other words, we're supposed to go into a court of law. Think about this. You're supposed to go into a court of law and step into that little courtroom session there and then put your hand on a Bible and swear on that Bible that you're going to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Okay, that's the, and then you're supposed to somehow have a fairness and some justice in the court system there. Okay, well, I'll tell you why that's all complete goddamn nonsense. Just read your Bible. You go into a court system, you put your hand on a Bible, and that Bible says what? The most innocent man in the entire universe that ever existed, that never sinned once, was found guilty. That's what that book says. So, the very book that says, hey, the most innocent man was killed because a bunch of group, you know, basically the mob, the, 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 you know, democracy, if you will, the mob was like, crucify him, crucify him. That book tells us the most innocent man that ever existed died because he was allegedly guilty. You want me to go into a court system, put my hand on that book and be like, I'm going to tell the whole truth. Well, the whole truth is this. Your court system is completely fucked. Who tells us this? Who brings us this message? Christ. Also tells us this message, what, who is your authority? It's very important. You know, people say, it's like, oh, I'm not going to get the jab because it's my body, my choice. I'm not getting that jab because you're not desecrating the living temple of God. My body is owned by God. I am not free. I am bound and tied by God. Everything that's around me this entire body, everything that I experienced was created and owned by him. That's because he is the author. Anybody that tries to tell you that they have any jurisdiction over your body whatsoever, unless, and once again, this is a long conversation, but unless you've violated somebody else's, then they're just completely full of shit. No, you, you are uh, owned by somebody. You're owned by God. Your body, this is what it says. I forget what verse this is, but know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? You're a branch off the tree. You think, a lot of people think, my body, my choice. No, no, it's not. No. Um, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Who tells us this? Who brings us this message? Christ. No, I'm not, I'm not getting any jabs or any cold flu shots or anything like that. Not because of my body, my choice, or because anything else. It's because I don't own this thing. And neither do you. What else does Christ give us? And this is an important one. This is what this church is really all about. It gives us a universal mythos. You can be a, somebody that's into Norse mythology and be for Christ. And, I'm gonna sh and this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay? What Christianity is actually giving us is the Prisca Theologia, okay? The Prisca Theologia is the ancient theology, and that's what we teach here, is the doctrine that asserts that a single true theology exists which threads through all the religions and which was anciently given by God to humans. That's exactly what Christianity is. And this is why we, we, you know, we run a Gnostic church. We, we run a church that knows, and we know that this is true, okay? That the doctrine of Christ is a universal it's what I call the universal mystery religion. Beneath the fabric of nature itself lies an inherent religious process of soul transformation. A universal mystery religion that takes the crude human being from an ignorant, atavistic, and unconscious being into an awakened, enlightened, and fully developed man. This is being reborn through Christ. 
This process, like all the laws and processes of nature itself, is available to every living human being on earth, because again it is crafted within the fabric of nature itself. It's a process known since the beginning of time, since the very first sunrise of creation. This process is no different than that of the cyclical changing of the seasons and its cycle of death and rebirth, of renewal and transformation. And that's what Christ is all about, transforming you into the perfected man, into the, into a, you know, theosis is really what it's all about. We talk about the Prisca Theologia, the universal mystery religion. This is what we preach all the time. This is why throughout the years we can, you know, use Christ as the foundation always. But where do we go? Oh, we're going to say, hey, Jesus, this is episode 157 of the old podcast. Jesus wasn't a Jew and a scene or an Israelite. He was a Mayan. I made a whole video, two-hour video, something like that, hour and a half video, showing how the mathematics found within the name of Jesus Christ are found within the Mayan calendar. Facts. Facts. We did the Ojibwe story of creation. We said, hey, look at all of these star patterns. Look at all the things that the Ojibwe are focused on. Where do we find these? We paralleled them right to the Bible. We go to the Cherokee. What did they do? Oh, the same thing. We go to the Kabbalah. We did an entire, what, a couple hour. I think I broke it down to maybe like an hour. Literally detailing all of the mythology within Norse and comparing it directly to the Bible. Characters, situations, etc. We looked at the Hamsa, right? Which is a, it's a symbol that's used in all these different religions. Judaism and Hinduism, etc. right? Well, why? Why would a single symbol be able to be used throughout all these different religions? Because of the Prisca Theologia. The genius of the Mayan calendar. We Once again, the Mayans. We looked at the vegetable lamb of Tartaria. You guys remember that? We looked at, oh, we looked at this ancient myth of Tartaria. And where do we relate it to? It's a lamb and it creates a monad. And there's a death and rebirth. Hmm, interesting. We looked at, of course, Mercury. We look at Mercury. We look at Hermes, all that sort of stuff. What do we have? A parallel right to Christ. We look at the ancient mound builders. We say, hey, look at look at this archaeoastronomy. What were the, they were building these mounds and they were highlighting these stars. What were they doing? Literally highlighting the exact same stars, the exact same patterns that we point out in the Bible. So we can go with Christ as our foundation, as our root. We can go around the world and be like, oh, I get it. I get it. They had Christ too. This is beautiful. It's empowering. And it, it, it stops the divisions, especially within denominations, but also in other religions. And I don't even, I basically don't even listen to anybody anymore that's just like, oh, I'm into, I'm into this North stuff and it's better than Christianity or I'm a Protestant. I don't, I'm better than Catholic. Just, just stop, stop. You, you're, you're completely off the course, 100%. This is Rachel Fulton Brown from um, Chance over at Interverse. Had a conversation with Rachel Fulton Brown. And Rachel Fulton Brown is a, um, a religious scholar and stuff like that at the University of Chicago. And this is what she's going to say. And I, I agree with her 100%. The efforts of the, the missionaries throughout the Middle Ages worked was, we have the truth, right? We know that we have the truth. It's revealed through Christ. He's the light. He's the logos. He's the, as you're very accurately describing, he's the way to the Father. All of that. Absolutely true. How do we as Christians, say, in the seventh century, communicate this reality to people who have never heard of it? Well, we'll show them that, in fact, those stories that they already have contain this same truth. For example, um, one of the texts that I've written about is called the Heliand. It's an old Saxon gospel harmony um, retelling of the gospel story, the Christ story in Old German. And the, the author there, because he's writing for Saxons, he's trying to explain who Christ is to these warriors, right? And the problem with it is, with like what they have is different stories about Woden and 
the way Woden gets knowledge and, you know, the, the ravens come to him, like memory and mind, and they speak to him and, and, and he hangs on the tree and he gets the runes and things like that. Well, how, if you're a Christian, are you going to explain Christ to these, these warriors? Well, in the Heliand, what the poet does is show that Christ is Woden. Right, he sh he shows that say the baptism of Christ, the the um the dove comes down on Christ, and the heavens are opened, and you hear the voice saying, "This is my beloved son." In, in even Odin even gets the spear in the side. Right, all of that. So some of what we're doing, and we're trying to find the the, the re resonances and the reality behind these stories, is what Christianity has been doing. For since the beginning, right? Like Paul, when he goes to Athens and says, oh, I see you have an altar of the unknown God. Well, I know who it is, right? Um, that with the, the, the Christian missionaries in the, in, the early middle, in the early Middle Ages, they're saying, there is one story. It's about creation. It's about what you were just saying now, the love, right? That God, you know, enters into this story and becomes part of it and, you know, conquers the, the 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 evil by climbing the cross and and doing battle with with Satan in that way, that that is the way Christianity has always, properly speaking, tried to to operate. To say there is one truth, there is a reality behind all of this, and we're going to show you the way in which the light has already been there to humanity previously, but now we have the, the fullness of of that truth. We see it fully through the light that is Christ. How's that? So just freaking spot on there. Um, Rachel Fulton Brown at Interverse. Um, great, great episode. I really want to speak to that woman. I tried to contact her and I hadn't heard back from her. But anyway, I totally agree with what she's saying here. I think it's spot on. I think, and I look at the history of Christianity and I'm like, it's what we see today is not what was in the past, clearly. And what she's saying is that a lot of these uh, Christian missionaries that, that these, um, you know, a lot of times were women or whatever would go and they were like, they would go to these, and this is exact. This is literally exactly what we talked about when we said the Ojibwe, right? That there was these mis Christian missionaries that they would go to the Ojibwe, and they'd be like, "Oh, we know what you're talking about. We we get what you're saying. We you have a hero figure. You have a sun god. You're focusing on these, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We 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 know exactly what you're saying, and we just saying, hey, the the fullness of that doctrine comes through Christ. And I I just I agree. I, as somebody who's been critically thought through all of this stuff over the years, I come to the exact same conclusion. This is what the mystery school tradition is um, has been saying for years, and what she's saying is that this is what you know ancient Christianity was all about. Okay, actually all about, not the retarded version we have today, okay? So the mystery school tradition has been saying exactly what Rachel Fulton Brown is saying for years. Now, I think, you know, Rachel Fulton Brown would probably poo-poo masonry and Gnosticism and stuff like that, I don't know. But this is what I'm saying that they've been saying, Gnosticism, Freemasonry, Theosophy, Rosicrucianism, the mystic, especially Rosicrucian, you know, um, the mystic, the esoteric. Basically, anybody that was doing syncretic work or comparative mytho mythology was basically saying, look, if you look around the world, you'll find the same stories, the same archetypes, the same themes, the same ideas. And I'm just saying that the fullness of it, and I agree with Rachel Fulton Brown here, comes through Christ. It does. And this is why I keep saying we have the science, we have the cathedrals, we have it's in our language, it's in, it's, it's, it's in the stars. Okay? We don't need to, once again, reinvent the wheel. And this is why I, I always hammer this home that Gnostics embrace all the great traditions. Because I'm saying that if you see it properly and you understand you actually are due diligence, you know, you do your due diligence with truth, you will find at the end of that road that you will find Christ within all of these things. And that's a beautiful thing. 
That's not like, oh, my thing's the best thing. No, it's just the, you know, right now, in the time that we have right now, it is the most complete, fullest um, version of the mysteries that we're, we have. This is, um, so when we talk about the fact that it's like, hey, this is all one. This is the Prisca Theologia. This is what Christ is bringing us, this, this universal mythos, right? Okay, well, this is one of the things that I, you know, I keep talking about all the time. The Trinity found all around the world. If, if Rachel Fulton Brown, if what she was saying wasn't true, then why in the hell do you find the Trinity everywhere? That was my question. Well, there must be some universal, absolute, inherent truth behind all of this. Otherwise, you know, what's, otherwise, how do you, how do you make these connections? Like, why in the hell are these different cultures are coming up with the same shit? French fleur de lis, the Celtic Triquetra, the Sicilian Trinacria, the Norse Odin's horns, you know, the Egyptian Isis Osiris Horus. Once again, all over the damn world. Three spirals, the Velknud, Hecate's wheel, etc. Et I probably said that incorrectly, but I, I screw up pronunciation all the time. You guys know. What about this, the tree of life in the center of the creation, right? When Jesus Christ, you know, says, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the tree, the branches, all that sort of stuff, right? But what, what, you know, this is, of course, Old Testament, but Jesus reiterates it in the New. You know, what, what is, we have this eternal life, this tree of life that's in the center, that's basically our unification, re, reunifying with God, that whole thing. And then we go literally around the world, and what do they have? This is why I say, what's the second one on the top there? It's the Mayans. So when I say, ah, oh, Jesus was a Mayan. He wasn't in a scene or anything like that. The joke is that, guess what? You're going to find Christ everywhere. Go everywhere. Uh, Hinduism, Jainism, Buddhism, Greek mythology, the Oneidas, uh, Black Elk from the Lakota Sioux and the ancient Egypt and etc., etc. A tree of life. Why? There's one story. This is what we say when we say when we talk about the universality of the Christos mythos, right? He's saying, this is, what, this is what Paul was saying. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. This is exactly what he means. It means if you go to these ancient cultures, right, and you look at their mythos and you look at the structure of their, of their religions and thing, you know, things like that, when you get to the core, what you're going to find is that Christos, okay? And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And this is why we say, and this is why the Bible talks about there's one God. This is monotheism. This is one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one church. There's one number seven. It doesn't mean that some cultures call the number seven septum and others call it seven and others call it seven or whatever, right? But there is only one number seven. And this is what we mean, okay? There's one God, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one spirit, and there's one church. And you're all in that church right now and has nothing to, fa- has nothing to do with the fact that you're watching this live stream. We are baptized into one spirit, one body. We are all made to drink in one spirit. There's one beard, one body, one spirit. You stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel of God's story. But he is joined into the Lord as one spirit. And then what do we have? Denominations being like, well, we've got a spirit, and then there's another spirit over here, and those spirits over there, they don't know what they're talking about. The, for the body, as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members that are one body being many, one body. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. This is what this means, guys. This is what this means. And it's beautiful. This is also, we just covered this the other, the other week. All things are in one and in one all. What do you think that means? Think about it. All the mysteries, all the sciences, all, everything. 
There, all things are in one and in one is all. So in all those things, what are you going to find? The one, what is that? It's the Christos. The song that I played sort of out of tune for the break there was called um, Taking on the Shawl, a little instrumental that I wrote many, many moons ago. But th this really hit me and it's, a, it's from Hankaka Alawampi and it's called, it's a, um, a chapter called Taking on the Shawl from Sacred Path Cards. And I really, really enjoy that book. But it basically says this, it says, taking on the shawl means one is willing to exchange information to allow all traditional teachings to live so that the goodness of each can be shared by many. When we find the goodness of each, what are you going to find? That Christos, the Christed nature of within everything. If the shawl has fallen across your shoulders, which has fallen across the shoulders of everybody that's watching right now, you're being invited to return home. If you have forgotten yourself recently, it's now time to remember your essence and potential. You may be coming home to the magic that you once believed in or a new sense of well-being, but in every case, you are returning to a temporarily forgotten state of being. When we talk about Christ as the present, he's pre-sent. He's pre-sent. You're returning to a temporarily forgotten state of being. That's Gnosticism. In every life, there is a need to return to the simplicity of happiness. If you've forgotten how to find the simple truths that once supported your inner joy, it's time to return home. What else does Christ give us? Christ gives us a religion that names and rebukes evil. That's a good one. In other words, what does Christ give us? Well, when we read throughout the New Testament, as we do, we've done the entire book of Mark. We're, we're more than halfway through the book of Matthew, three quarters through the book of Matthew. And what do we constantly find? Jesus rebuking the Jews. It's a, it's a religion that names the evil directly, consistently, overtly, like a lot. <laughs> so we have a religion that throughout the entire New Testament that's attached onto the Old Testament is specifically calling out the people that are fucking up our world right now. Specifically. Who was the most, who was exactly offended by Jesus and his teachings? As we read, as we read, it's just like, you guys remember this one where we said, oh, the scribes and the Pharisees, dot, 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 ellipse. Remember that? Remember when we said that, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times? Where, they, where the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews, uh, they tried to screw Christ. Oh, they tried to trick him. Oh, the, oh, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Oh, the lawyers, dot, dot, dot. An entire religion that names in our current time the people that are, remember when we said, oh, who's against you? Remember when this guy in the beginning said, who's against you? The Alistair guy. Oh, the, the financiers and the police and the, you know, they're, they're, who do you think's behind the FBI right now? Who do you think's behind the CIA? Who do you think runs our military right now? <clears throat> it's three words. Is real. And who names them? Specifically, our savior. The, the followers of Christ have been doing this a long time. The followers of Christ have been doing this a long time. This is a book, the last book that Martin Luther wrote called On the Jews and Their Lies. This is the opening of that book. Sorry, I'll wait for this car to pass. We're off grid. We're, we're, we're homeless. Um, this is the opening of the book written in 1543, On the Jews and Their Lies. I had made my I had made up my mind to write no more either about the Jews or against them because I was just tired of dealing with it. This is the opening line. I had made up my mind to write no more either about the Jews or against them because I'm so sick of dealing with their with their disgustingness. I I, I want to focus on Christ. That's what I that's what I imagine Luther saying here anyway. But since I learned that those miserable and accursed people do not cease to lure to themselves even us that is the Christians. 
I have published this little book so that I might be found amongst those who oppose such poisonous activities of the Jews and who warned the Christians to be on their guard against them. 1543. What is today? 2023. History repeats itself. It's a Gnostic cycle. <laughs> I would not have believed that a Christian could be duped by the Jews into taking their exile and wretchedness upon himself. However, the devil is the god of this world, and wherever God's word is absent, he has an easy task, not only with the weak, but also with the strong. May God help us. Amen. All right? So, a long history. But once again, when we call out these evil people, are we doing it because of we're because of our we're white, because of race, because of hatred, because of anti-Semitism? No. We're calling it out because of Christ. Period. End of story. Whoever, this is when we were in Germany, this is, uh, it's Martin Luther, I forget who the other guys. This was in Worms, Worms is the, is the, Worms is the, is the town, is basically where the Renaissance essentially started, essentially. Um, says this, whoever understands Christianity rightly, no human charter will be able to take them captive. They are free, not according to the flesh, but according to the conscience. Why are they not free according to the flesh? Because God owns the flesh. Just as we just said, God owns everything. So if we understand Christianity rightly, no human charter will be able to take them captive. So I'm saying if humanity can come to understand Christianity rightly, do you think that these despots and tyrants are going to be able to take us captive? If they would have been able to throughout history, they would have done it already. But guess what? That's not what his story is about. That's not what the gospel is about, is it? No. We know that's not what it's about because we can do what? We can look up. So as you see, there's uh, right now, there's the, the noticing that's going on. The noticing is when you have a special pattern recognition, aka noticing abilities, when you can spot the common denominator in all the world events, events and agendas. And we can as Gnostics because the Gnostic knows. The Gnostic hits nose, hits truth on the nose. That's what we do. We hit truth on the nose. And we can say, oh, the, we have a, we're recognizing a pattern and the common denominator in all the world's events and agendas are the scribes and the Pharisees. And who are they? They're antichrist. So you see, this is trending in Canada. Ban the ADL. Interesting. Interesting. That certainly wasn't happening five years ago. <laughs> People are waking up to the fact that, um, and yes, I can absolutely post this on YouTube and I and you will not take it down YouTube. Why? Because I'm a Christian and I have every right to openly speak about my holy book in which my holy book says, hey, watch out for these scribes and Pharisees that are going to be dealing pharmakia. That's in Revelation. I won't, I won't cover that here, but... And that's what we see. Oh, oh, is this is this anti-Semitic? No, all of these people are directly anti-Christ. That's my concern. I don't give a shit what race they are. I don't give a shit what their political opinions are. I could care about less about any of it. I know, because I'm a Gnostic, I know that you're against Christ. And I know what Christ is. Christ allows us to call these people out. And you know what he also does? Tells us to call them out. And do it with love. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. 
Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So I'm going to say this to all of these antichrists. Bless you. Bless every single one of you. God bless every single one of you. You know why I'm blessing you? Because I know what God's going to do. Well, I don't know what God's going to do to you. But I know that because you're not living that Christly truth, because you don't give a shit about your fellow man, that God's going to deal with you. And he's going to be fucking harsh. And so I'm going to pray for you. Going to call you out. Going to rebuke you. Going to name who I need to name whenever I need to do it. But I'm going to do so out of love. Pure, unadulterated, 100%, an ocean of love. Christ tells us who the enemy is and how to deal with them. What else does Christ give us? And we'll wrap this baby up. <laughs> Two more. Christ gives us our fallen state and our goal of immortality, our goal of eternal life. As we know, our fallen state, when we talk about heaven is the eternal life, earth is falling into quote unquote death. Evil death. Temporarity, you know, temporarity, whatever that word is. All of that stuff exists down here, doesn't exist upstairs, okay? When we say, oh, we're fallen, what, what a terrible thing. It's like, oh, we're fallen, we're, fa we're cursed beings, we should feel bad. You know, it was one of the things I said at Music and Sky. What is, you know, um, when you fall, what's your first inclination? What's the first thing that you do when you fall? Do you just lay on the ground and like, you know, flail your arms and be like, oh, I've fallen and I can't get up? No, you get up. Like I said, I've been hit on by cars on a bicycle three different times, right? Totaled my bike twice. You know what I did as soon as I fell off that bike? Got back up. It's the first thing that I did. So when we're when when we're told that we're fallen beings, that gives us a pursuit. It gives us um, uh, a directive. Oh, we're fallen. We're quote unquote fallen. That just means we got to climb. That just means we want to get up. We know that earth here is never going to be a utopia. Our utopia is in, in, you know, heaven above. That's where the utopia exists. That's where eternal life is, right? Earth is where both good and evil are allowed to exist. So we have to understand that. We recognize where we are and we have to, and we have to understand and do and try to handle it with grace. And Christ leads us through this. This is, this is the message. You know, it's, it's, I always say this. If you, have, if you have lived, you have been privy to the works. If, you know, if you have lived, you've been privy to the works of the devil. To live is to be privy to evil. It's just to know it, to recognize it, to face it, to not have fear about it, and to recognize that God is in control. They don't control the stars. They don't control the sun. They don't control the moon. They didn't create earth. They don't own your fucking body. Why else do we know this? Because we ate from the knowledge of the of the tree from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> they literally just tell you. So when we say, "Oh, when you know, the Bible says, oh, the world is run by the prince of darkness,' and the God is the you know the the God of this world, this world age, if you will, is Satan, and all this other stuff. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me." In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of men. Okay, so if we understand that the that Satan has infiltrated the hearts and mind of the people in our world age, well then what do we do? We 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 seek out to try to help purify those hearts and minds. That's our goal. And we do this with zero fear. None. When I say that, hey, these ideas have been canonized mathematically, I very much mean that. No theories given here today. Jesus equals 27, 
fear not equals 27. You know how many bones you have in your hand? The kingdom of heaven, where the kingdom of heaven is? Kingdom of heaven. Where is it? It's that hand. How many bones you got in that hand? 27. If the world is run by evil, then we can handle it because we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's Philippians 4.13. And if you read that backward, that's 3.14. I'm just saying, just saying, just saying. Christ is here. Christ provides us with this notion that we are not to live in the world of the pharmacia peddlers. We're to live in God's world, not his. Those messages are saying, oh, the devil is the God of this world is literally there to tell you to not live in that world, to live in the world that he has provided. And that's truth and honesty and virtue and compassion and righteousness, humility, temperance. When we live in a world of anxiety and fear and everything's fucked and it's terrible, where are we living? We're living in Satan's head. Satan's living in ours. No tree, it is said, can grow to heaven unless its roots roots reach down to hell. Carl Jung. Christ gives us the true battleground of our war. When we want to use that language, if you will, about the, the, the war that we're undergoing right now, the spiritual battles that we're undergoing right now, Christ gives us the true battleground of that war. And the true battleground is not fighting human beings or ideologies and that sort of stuff it's actually against uh, you know as it says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places we talk about that spiritual wickedness in high places what's the high place in our cosmology it's polaris what's up there it's draco what's the high place in your cosmology in the cosmos that is you it's your head where's the devil work all his mind in your head. Is there a bug floating around making people sick? No, no, no. But what did the devil do? Put that in your mind. And then you acted upon, or not you, but lots of people acted upon that. What do we, what do we actually, do we have to deal with, you know, uh, when we, most of the time, what are we dealing with in, in our lives as people? Depression, anxiety, worry, looking out of the world constantly, you know, getting in despair and that sort of stuff. And Christ is saying, none of that is going to lead you anywhere. You don't need to do it. I'm here. I'm in the present always. I'm controlling the whole thing. I'm going to take care of this. What I need you to do is stand your fucking ground, stay in truth while you're here, and there will be a reward at the end of that. And the fight that you're fighting is not a physical one. It's the, it's the one that's happening within you right now, in your head. Basically, you know, Christ, the message of, you know, this, this message of Christ, when we talk about our fallen state and what we're here to do, basically it's, you know, it's like I've said this before, it's basically letting us know that we've always been in biblical times, that we've always been in a place of good and evil and that the, the evil have tried to convince us that we're not. It's like, no, it's just, this is just how things go down here. It's just kind of, you know, wildfires and stuff, you know, no, we're just understanding that this is where we are right now. And as I've said before, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Because if we understand where we are, we understand where we came from, we understand what we need to do in the in the present, we also understand where we want to go. Christ lets us un, un, know, right, that one of his messages, and we find this message across the world once again, is that we will all have to stand before God Almighty and be like, 
this is what I did down here. And if you go out and be like, well, I was afraid of this and fearful of that and I had anxiety here, God's going to be like, dude, I told you a million times I'm going to take care of it. You were worried about what you're going to eat. I said I'd take care of it. That doesn't mean you don't have to put in the work. It doesn't mean you don't have to show up. It doesn't mean you have an enormous responsibility. You do. But when you undertake that, you have no fear and you recognize that all the saints, all the angels, God himself is on your side. Just as Jesus, when he came down from that mountain, told the devil to go fuck himself. What happened? The angels ministered upon him. You do the same. We have a goal and that is reunification with God Almighty. Theosis, apotheosis. And Christ gives us that. And that is us re returning to God Almighty. There, And that is a beautiful thing, once again. All right, this is the last one. Last one, number 12. Christ gives us the message that life is magic. And a lot of times that's hard to see because we see the pain and the suffering. The, the pain, the trauma, the torture, the suffering, the perversion, plant, calamity. Oh, I said that incorrectly. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. We see all of that in the world and the war and the terribleness and the and all of the, you know these people, the, the, the demonic people and all this. And then we, we live in that, right? And and that tri that's, that's the devil overtaking our mind, right? When we actually let go of that and realize that most of that is nonsense, most literally 99.999% of the shit that we worry about or that they, they try to instill fear is complete nonsense. We were watching Dr. Cowan on Alpha Vedic and he was mentioning the fact that like everybody's like, oh, did you hear Bill Gates unleashed these uh, mosquitoes that were genetically modified? And Cowan was just like, um, can they even genetically modify a mosquito? Like, are, are they just literally, just like NASA, they're saying, oh yeah, we can fly spaceships to, to, uh, two million miles away. Are they actually doing that? No, no. But what is it? What are people doing? Reacting to that fear, Right. And instead of living in what? The magic of the world. We're listening to what the devil has to say as opposed to living in the truth of what God is saying always. Life is magical. It isn't to say that it doesn't come with pain. Doesn't, that there isn't suffering here. That there isn't loss. There is. But if you don't get out at the end of this thing that life was worth it and that there's magic here, that it's miraculous, then you failed your quest. You failed. Christ teaches us that there is a mystery to understand and that that mystery is a, is a mindset in which we embody that recognizes the mysticism of everything that go, that's, that's happening. The magic, the poetry, right? That living poetry that we always talk about. It's to get you into state to recognize that. And that's to know the mystery of the kingdom of God and that it's all, all around you. This is what it means when, um, you know, we share the mind of Christ, Okay. So this is what I was saying, like Christ always defeats the devil, right? That's why Draco is not, is wrapping around the pole star, but is not the pole star. The, our cosmology is teaching us this. Christ defeats the devil always. God always wins. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. He's just wondering if you're going to be on the winning side or not. You know how they say the wrong side of history? <laughs> and we say the history is a Gnostic cycle. Well, there, that means there's a cycle of darkness and a cycle of light. Which side are you on? And again, the devil take him up to an exceedingly high mountain oh, where Draco and Polaris is and show, up, show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. They're saying the world is glory, glory, glorious. Showing him the kingdoms of the world. He saith to them, all these things I'll give thee if you will fall down and worship me. And he's like, get out of here, Satan. Get the hence. Not today, Satan. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered upon him. When we share the mind of Christ, 
right? Those angels minister upon us. That's what the message is. We are to share the mind of Christ and all the angels ministered upon him. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's theosis. That's apotheosis. That's divinization. That's deification. That's recognizing that you are a divine creature here in the now, in the present, in the present. We are supposed to share the mind of Christ. The Bible repeats it. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? It's the totality of love. Now, once again, that doesn't mean that, you know, people like, um, it's like, well, I'm supposed to hate our enemies or it's like, no, you don't hate your enemies. You rebuke them. You call them out. You live in truth. You say, you, you call out the lies, the, you know, the propaganda, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you do out of love. You do out of love. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 1 John 14, 6. At the end of this whole thing, our heart will be weighed, as you guys know. Christ, this is... I look at this, and I see Christ. Most people see a dog-headed God and some weird freaking, you know, I don't know what that thing is, Anubis thing over there. I don't know what's going on here. Most people see some of Egyptian shit. I see Christ. That's what I see. I see your heart being weighed and God's looking at it and being like, hey, was it light as a feather? Were you loving? Did you recognize that this place, even after all the trauma and all the pain and all the suffering, it was worth it? If it wasn't worth it, I wouldn't have made it. Quote, unquote, God. Um, and that it's there, there's there's a, there's a magic to it. And that, that magic is ultimately found by... You know, by securing the love that you have in your heart. I always like this one. The universe is the game of the self which plays hide and seek forever and ever. This is what coming to Christ or being reborn or, you know, that sort of thing. Coming to that realization is all about. It's the universe finding itself. It's God within you recognizing, finally coming to that re realization. It's like, oh shit, I've been here the whole time. And that's, that's rebirthing or awakening the Christ within you. And that is magical. So, let's go back over this. So what does Christ give us? Why, why am I saying, why, you know, today I'm being very evangelical, if you will, and why I'm saying that Christianity is really the answer for our conundrum right now. Christ is the answer to our problems right now. Because Christ gives us a purpose. He gives us a history, an actual history. He gives us a living spirituality and a living God, a God in the present. He gives us an understanding of true cosmology. Not just that the earth is flat, but that every star and every light has a meaning. There's places of worship around the world that you can go to at any time. It doesn't matter what denomination or what you believe. Just go in there. And you, you have in yourself what you need to take care of. You don't need to listen to some retarded pastor. Gives us the holy sciences of the holy science, if you will, right? Gives us our ethics, our morality, our compassion, our cardinal virtues, our humility, our temperance. It gives us our authority so we don't have to listen to false authority anymore. Gives us a mythological system that is universal. Gives us a, a religion to call out the Jews. That's a good one. Uh, gives us our fallen state and our goal of, of eternal life and also ultimately gives us an understanding that life is full of miracles. I'm going to end with this. There is a word speaking eternally. 
self out of itself in itself, but still not itself. It may never be spoken out. Ego is everything, nothing, hell, heaven, earth, light, night, good, bad, body, spirit, this, that, yes, no, I, thou, give, take, do, let, sense, will, reason, no reason, here, there, sorrow, joy, scorn, love, quiet, time, eternity, soul, angel, devil, life, death, stillness, sound, one, none, man, yes, even God. The word cannot even reach itself, cannot be compared to anything, and yet it is all, it is at all times, all in all, Jesus Christ. The word cannot even reach itself, cannot be compared to anything, and yet it is at all times. All in all, Jesus Christ. All in all, Jesus Christ. He speaks, does not speak, is being spoken, speaks out, speaks in, remains unspoken, creates everything himself, remains uncreated, but is himself what he created. From the innermost out, from the outermost in, he has been, is not, but will be, one God, one Lord, one Spirit, one unit. Whoever does not believe this cannot understand anything. For from belief comes understanding. Amen. So speaks the Spirit and writes the hand. First believe it, then try it. If found good, then praise it. Silentium, sapentia, simplicitas, veritas, sigillum. <clears throat> and that is going to do it for me. Guys, I love you so much. You guys are very good birds. Thank you all for joining me today. I really appreciate all the, the people that do stop by. And... Um, and um, support the work that we do here. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to become a gub bard, you can become a gub bard at Subscribestar. You can become a Phoenix bird. You can become an Aquila bird. You can become a Cygnus bird. You can become Domino P, my bird. And we're going to have chickens come the beginning of the next year. And so we're going to have to find a new time to pee my rooster bird. So um, I do want to say, if you would like to, uh, once again, donate Venmo, buy me a coffee cash app. We really appreciate it. That's how we keep going. We can't go, we can't keep going without you. You're, you know, the, you're, uh, you're the uh, impetus, the catalyst, the foundation of this church. You guys are, this is just, you know, and Christ, of course. But um, and that's just how it works. So we really appreciate anybody that does support this. Um, we love doing it, and we love lifting the hearts. We love bringing people together. We love honesty. We love truth. We love being genuine. We love being authentic. We love just telling the devil to go fuck himself. I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things. I do it with love, though. I do it with love. So thank you to all the people that do donate. Um, we do have um, some donate donations here, I believe. Do we? Mm -hmm. um, is it loading? <clears throat> uh, we just want to say thank you to Javier Landos, Kevin, and Jen. You guys have been very helpful and appreciated. Thank you. We appreciate you, Javier, very much. Kurt Klingy, uh, Klingle, Kenneth Rudzinski, Lawrence Letempio, Jeremy Hines. Thank you so much, Jeremy Hines. Once again, thank you very much. William Christie, Eugene Jacques, Daniel Hagar. Um, Killing it every week. Jared Poole, God bless you. God, thank you so much. J.M. Grassi, thank you so much. Jennifer McLaughlin, love you. Virginia Murray, it's, thank you so much, J.M., for the conversation the other day, I want to say. Thank you so much. I, I absolutely needed that. Um, feeling a little down last week, and sometimes you need, you know, sometimes you need the congregation. So, uh, Jamie Greeley, Eric uh, Cousel, John Vina, the man. Thank you so much, Mr. John. Alicia Crawford, every week, just killing it. Bruce Parsons, Thank you so much. Brandon Griffey and Bruce Parsons, thank you so much for the um, the emails. I really appreciate those. I hope I helped. Probably not, but Andrew Masonette, happy Sunday morning service. Love you all. Thank you, Andrew. Javier, Mujica, 33, Lumber Money. Oh, thank you so much, my brother. Perspective 96, with the ebbs and flows from high to low, may we keep our vision steady and our swords ready for the quest we all embarked on. Beautiful, brother. I'm going to steal those for lyrics. Thank you, Marty and Jen, for everything you're doing. Jean Vina, 
for Jesus, 13, Jean Vina for bonus. Alicia Crawford, uh, Virginia Dare, once again. Uh, James Duane, uh, some of those were last week, by the way, but I, I didn't say thank you. So, Carrie Musgrave and Eugene Jocks, thanks again. Uh, Gen X rated, tipped five bucks on Rockfin. You are the man. And thank you to all, I won't say all the subscribe, all the good birds that subscribe star, but thank you to everybody that does support every month. It is a huge help for us. It really is. We, we love you guys very, very much. And um, we love doing this. We just love doing this. Um, even though there's only 75 people watching today, I'm not going to get upset about that. So, all right. So uh, anyway, um, thank you. Okay. So um, that's it. Oh, yes. And we'll have snail mail hopefully next week. I'm going to get the um, mailbox up. And uh, we'll do that. So thank you to Content Safe for getting me on BitChute and uh, Odyssey and Rumble and all that other stuff. And check out the Sunday sermons on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. That's Dave Weiss's app. Get the app. Find your friends. All right. It's flat and stationary. And uh, Flattoberfest is coming up. October 21st and 22nd uh, next month. Going to be going to be awesome. So, um, And also, if you'd like to support the church store, um, books, you know, Scripture in the Stars, Pie and Tea, um, Songbook, uh, um, yeah, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, music, tons of stuff there, um, Bibles and rosary packages and everything like that. So if you'd like to support the work or if you just give it a gift, that would be a huge help to us. So, um, all right, that's going to do it. Guys, we're going to listen to a song on the way out, and it's called... Um, it's called Go Tell the Congregation by the Black Crows. And it's a freaking rocking song. And I don't even care if I get struck by this because it's just freaking amazing. So anyway, um, that's going to do it, guys. As I always say, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, let's rock out. And I will see you next Sunday. Maybe we'll try to do some a live stream this week and try to test our uh, video again, and we'll try that. But if not, um, might be might be just doing audio for the next couple of weeks. Um, just is what it is. So anyway, that's gonna do it, guys. As always, thank you so much. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Have a wonderful Sunday, and we love you all very much. Okay, let's rock. <laughs>